Welcome back to the One Broke Actress Podcast, an honest account of actor life plus a few lessons I learn in the process. I am your host, Sam Valentine, and you are listening to a very special episode of the New Normal series. This is a mini-series we are doing in between podcast seasons to address the changes that have happened in our world and our industry over the last year. Let's get into it. Today's podcast guest is Miata Idoga. This is not Miata's first time on the podcast. She was with us several seasons ago, and she is now with us in full capacity as not only an actor and creator, but as the owner and creator of Abundance Bound, a financial wellness and empowerment program designed specifically to help creators. And we are going to get into all of that today. We are talking all things 2020, 2021, and what are some realities that creatives are bumping up against after the financial craziness that was last year. We discuss what we can do to get our finances under control and how to better prepare for the future for these kind of random occurrences. We also talk about how COVID changed the landscape of the 1099 gig worker and how it changed a lot of the creative world and brought us into light in some ways we weren't before. And my favorite, most important part of this podcast, we discuss living within your means while also achieving and striving for more. Miata understands the creative in inside and out, and she understands how expensive it is to be in this career. So I take her advice so seriously. And if you guys are going to listen to a full episode of this podcast, this is the one for you. I am so excited. So without further ado, please enjoy Miata Idoga. Miata, you are a gem of this podcast. Your episode is always referenced. People either love you or they haven't fallen in love with you yet. Uh, Thank you so much for being here. Oh, thanks for having me, Sam. I love your podcast. I think you are doing such incredible work for all of us, for all of us as actors. So I'm thrilled to be here. Thank you. I mean, honestly, I think you're doing the same. I, uh, you were on this podcast in season three, which feels like a lifetime ago <laughs> and what season is what season are we up to now so season eight just finished and this will be our mini series in between eight and nine I came to oh. your office I remember we went outside to take a picture isn't it so funny like that office now sounds like we met in like the the most German infected like I breathed on I- it for so long <laughs> I know. I know. Isn't it crazy? I keep thinking about all the things we did. Like I keep thinking about how I would go to the movies and I would put my hands on the seats and then I would dip my hands in the popcorn and I would eat it. That is, I, I, that is the one that has gotten me. I can't stop thinking about that. Right. And when am I going to be ready to do it again? <laughs> do that again. <laughs> Well, that is kind of what we're talking about here, which is the new normal of the world we're approaching and everything that's happened. And you run a beautiful organization called Abundance Bound that's all about creating abundance and financial security and creative spaces. And before we get started, will you kind of fill me in because it's grown exponentially since last time you and I talked? Yes. So Our focus, right, has always been, but our focus is really on helping people create a powerful and thriving relationship with money, right? And so we're now in our 16th year and have really been developing. I know. Like your company has a driver's license. (laughs) Oh, that's scary. But yes, our company has a driver's license. 
And so um, really we have been exploring how do we serve our audience and how, um, how do we do that in an accessible way? How do we do that? And I mean accessible in terms of cost, in terms of time, right? In terms of support. And so two years ago, we launched our financial empowerment program. And that has really been the dream of mine, I think, since I started this company 16 years ago. But I describe it, Sam, as your money gym, right? It is the place because can we please just stop pretending that anyone can give you some quick tips and tools that you can take a three hour class, that you can take a five week class and that then you're gonna be all set, you're gonna be all done. And from this point forward, your relationship with money will be perfect. It just doesn't work that way, right? The same way that I would love and genuinely, I mean this, I would love to take an exercise class for six weeks and then be fit forever. <laughs> I have accepted, I think, that that is never going to happen. And it's, it's just the truth. And I want to serve people from the place of truth. So our financial empowerment program is about a place where you can get all the information, but also the ongoing support and the accountability and the community, um, the inspiration to stay in a financial conversation. So that, I don't believe that that existed when you and I spoke. It did um, But we are now just about to celebrate two years um, and that's where I'm spending the bulk of my time and focus because I think it's where we can do the most powerful work. Mm. I mean, you were the first person when I took your class, when you taught at the Actors Fund so long ago. Yes. Thank you to Ashley Romans, who was on season eight, who introduced me to you. Uh, she, uh, that was the first time that I was introduced to a relationship with money. And I had to unpack a lot of baggage and I've continued to unpack said baggage <laughs> over and over again, because I'll pack it up and I'll take it out uh, oh, to do with money and relationships and the way we perceive it. And I think everything that happened in the last year really put a spotlight on what your relationship was, is with money. Yeah. Because here is why viewing it as a relationship is so important. I think I heard you say your fiance. Mm -hmm. So is that you're, you're getting married? Yeah, yes. It's supposed to be last year. It's going to be this year. We'll make it work. <laughs> yes, absolutely. But you clearly are making a commitment to a long-term relationship with a partner. Mm -hmm. And I am sure that that relationship is full of love and fun and partnership and support, energy, all of these great things. And it doesn't mean that shit's not going to happen, 
right? Mm-hmm. It doesn't mean that there are not going to be challenges, some potentially big ones, because that's life, mm-hmm. not because it's not an incredible relationship. And what the pandemic showed all of us is that there will always, no matter how type A we are, there are always going to be things that are within our control. And there are always going to be many things that are outside of our control. And so if I am just looking at my money as this thing that I have to deal with, and hopefully there's enough, and just focused on it in this external way, then when things get bad, I'm going to really be in trouble. Mm -hmm. When it's a relationship and I understand it's a relationship, things get bad and I have to recommit to the things that are within my control. What time am I giving to this relationship? How am I learning to better understand it? What skills can I continue to increase? What support do I need to get? How do I continue to explore the ways to grow this relationship that right now, for reasons outside of our control, is struggling, right? Mm -hmm. It's just, it gives us, I think, the foundation and the stability to move through hard times. It doesn't make them not hard. The pandemic has been hard, right? Right. So what have you seen come up pretty much as, is there any through lines you've seen in your creatives that you work with that have come up from the pandemic. I'm sure there was a lot of, a lot of, of scarcity mindset, a lot of fear, um, even intangible things like were people really nervous about unemployment? Were they like, what, what has kind of come up in the past year? So it obviously the dealing with the uncertainty (laughs) and for most of us, dealing with a significant loss of income, yeah, right? Because the pandemic, it wasn't just the loss of industry work. It was also, in many cases, the loss of the work that we were doing to support our industry work, right? And I I talk a lot about this and I know that I can sound like a bit of a broken record, but I talk about the pain cycle versus the power cycle, right? And the pain cycle, we are in a pain cycle really with anything in our lives, but specifically with our money. When we are trying to make decisions strictly from emotion, right? It's just my fear is leading me. Scarcity is leading me. Upset is leading me. Pain, sadness, or it can even be excitement is leading me. Overwhelm is leading me. Whenever I'm being led by my emotion, 
it tends to result in decisions being made that cause more pain, which leads to more emotion, which leads to more pain, right? Mm -hmm. The power cycle is when I am being led by clarity. Now, Sam, and information, that does not mean that the emotion isn't there, right? Right. We are only just starting to, God willing, come out of a global pandemic. Of course, there was fear and sadness and terrible loss, breathtaking loss, right? Mm -hmm. I'm not trying to suggest that we can squish that away in a little box and pretend it doesn't exist. But what we needed to do during the pandemic and what we need to do moving forward is have the emotion, but continue to be clear about exactly what the facts are. So during the pandemic, we were keeping people rooted in what are my costs? What are they? Yes, we were all making as many changes as we could make, but we want to make those changes from clarity, from getting absolutely clear. You know me, like I Mm -hmm. say, we cannot be loosey-goosey about what our expenses are. Then we were going through those expenses to see where could we tighten the belt. Obviously, many of us made decisions. People moved home. People um, went into kind of pods with potentially more roommates than they had before to reduce the costs of rent. We without question, cut down on our entertainment expenses. We weren't going out nearly as much, right? (laughs) And so, but being clear about, okay, so these are my costs. I've done everything about them that I can, Mm -hmm. right? Then we had to look at, okay, what income, if any, is possible, right? Mm -hmm. Lots of emotion around this, but at the end of the day, our power comes only from our willingness to look at what is so. So I figured out my core expenses. Now I look and I say, how much unemployment am I able to qualify for and bring in? right? Do I have any ongoing um, income sources, any work that I was doing or am now able to do um, that can bring in some income? And we absolutely saw clients regrouping right? Clients who were teaching live fitness classes started teaching fitness classes online. Clients who were meeting with tutoring clients in person started tutoring online, looking for the ways that if possible, you could adjust how income was coming in to keep some income sources coming in. And then yes, 
many of us had to look at what credit we had available to us, Mm -hmm. what savings we had available to us, what family or friend loans might be available to us. And again, I'm never going to say that, oh, we feel happy about taking on debt, but doing it from a place of clarity. This is what I need. This is what I am able to bring in right now. This is the shortfall. Now, how am I going to meet that shortfall in the most effective way? Mm. So for the actors who are listening, who are thinking, oh, I'm not clear on any of these numbers, right? Because I think we've all done the expense sheets where we've said, "Uh, yeah, I spend about $60 a month on gas. I spend about $50 a month on clothes. Like, but do you, so what would you tell them? How would you tell them to start diving into this world to get into the power cycle? So now what I would tell people today is obviously different from what we were talking about in the early months of the pandemic. So today, the truth is, is that we have all now lived a very solid year in a pandemic. So now what I would be really asking you to do is to look at the last six months of your spending. So let's take it completely like very tangibly. So the six months of pandemic time. So like this is, we're recording this in May. So we'll go back to December. Cause you know, there's always those people who say like, well, that wasn't a regular month. What's your answer to that? (laughs) So we never think it's a regular month. We (laughs) never think it is. And I promise, and I say this now from literally working with thousands of people, I promise the information is still valuable. Even if you're looking at the information and saying, well, this is what was unusual about that, right? Mm -hmm. It gives you a real number to work from. So what I would be saying is we want, um, we actually want January, February, March, April. So we actually want November, December, January, February, March, and April would be the months that I would be telling everybody to look at. And so I really, I always say there are no shortcuts to this, but I promise you it's the most valuable work you'll ever do. So what I would want you to do is I would want you to make a list of all of your expenses, right? And Sam, in the free resources page of the Abundance Bound site, there are all kinds of resources, free resources that can help people make sure their list is an honest list, awesome. right? Not a made up list. Because <laughs> if, if you and I just make our list, we're going to be like, oh, rent, oh, my car, oh, you know, maybe right. some some groceries, right? But not like the $200 a month I spend on (laughs) amazon.com. Exactly. Right. So there are a lot of things that we forget. So Mm -hmm. we need to have a list to sort of jog our memory. So then I'm going to make a clean list of 
all of my categories and I'm going to organize that the way that makes sense for me. So I might call things dining out, but Sam, you might call it restaurants, right? And it doesn't matter, but we need to know what you're calling it and organize the list for you, right? Then you have a clean list of all of your categories, go through and fill in a monthly number next to all the categories you just know you know what your rent is, mm-hmm. right? If you're taking an acting class right now, you know what that costs, right? Maybe you have a car payment. You might not know it right off the top of your head, but you can quickly look that up. So go through and fill in all the categories you know, okay? Then the second part takes time, but it isn't actually hard. That's where I want you to pick those categories that happen a ton. So groceries is an example, and I want you to have a stack of six months of your statements, your statements from the accounts where you spend money, your checking account, your credit card accounts, right? And I want you to everyone forgets about Venmo, everyone, (laughs) Venmo, PayPal, the cash app, right? You're going to go through those statements looking for anything that you're going to call groceries, right? So like in Los Angeles, if I see Ralph's, Trader Joe's, um, Whole Foods, for me also the 99 cent store was a place where I'd pop in to get groceries, right? Any of those stores, I'm just going to call them groceries. I'm not going to worry about whether I got dog food or face cream or whatever. It's just those stores are going to be groceries. So I'm going to make a long list on a blank sheet of paper of how much I spent every single time I got groceries, right? And I'm gonna cross it out on my statements so that I'm looking, looking, looking up, there's Ralph's $42. I'm gonna write down $42 and I'm gonna cross it out. So maybe, maybe you went to the grocery store 12 times in a month, right? That would be a lot, but, but that's the most we're talking about. So 12, over six months, right? And during the pandemic, we were not going to the grocery store 12 times a month, right? Like we all really cut it down. So you're probably going to be at more like four tops, four Mm -hmm. or five a month. You have your blank sheet of paper with all the times you got groceries over the last six months, add it up, get your total, divide that by six, and that's your average grocery amount, right? Great. Now you mentioned Amazon. Okay. Mm -hmm. So this is a great one because could I ask you, Sam, to go back through every single Amazon purchase and break down exactly what you got? I could ask you to do that, but then you'd hate me and it would just be terrible. Right. Pretty miserable. So, (laughs) So instead, all I want you to do is I want you to make Amazon a category Great. and go back through six months and write down every single time you had Amazon charges, divide that total by six. And yes, let's see what Sam's Amazon monthly average is. Later, we can figure out how that fits into your life. Mm -hmm. But for now, it's just important to know that Sam's Amazon average is $200 a month or whatever it is. Mm -hmm. Right. And I like the, the way you describe it too. There's no because this is an ongoing relationship, this is, and this is the factual part, there's no guilt associated with this because I think 
in the pandemic time, I made some purchases that I was like, did I need an $80 home manicure kit? No, but it made my life sparkle for five more days that month. And it was worth every fucking dollar. <laughs> so I have totally looked at that and not bought it. So that's a separate conversation. Was it Olive in June? Because I'm a huge fan. <laughs> yes, because I'm like, oh, do I want that? Maybe I want that. So you'll have to tell me about that later. Yeah, I definitely but will. Yes, we need to eliminate the judgment. Yeah. Because the minute we start judging ourselves, it shuts down the relationship. Do you want a relationship with a partner that's all judgy and critical and right? And we know the minute we start getting that way, we try to ease up. We try because we know it hurts the relationship. So why do we do that to ourselves when it comes to money? The power cycle is about having clarity. It's about being able to say, okay, this is what my life costs. Are there any adjustments that now from a place of consciousness, I would like to try to make? Great, let's see. And then once I've made those adjustments, now I can get as powerful as possible about how I'm going to create that amount of money in my life. I cannot get powerful about, I just need more, right? Because that's emotional. And when I was in that state of, I just need more, that was what had me with 10 part-time jobs, you know, running around, just grabbing it, whatever you wanted me to do, I would do it, but I was exhausted and irritable and felt like a failure. That's the pain cycle versus okay, this is what I know. Now, what can I do about it? Mm, God, I love this so much for so many reasons. I, I think a lot of actors too are feeling that feeling as they go back to work. Uh, there is a lot of dis- detesting, distaste, dis- dis- yes, unclear. Uh, there is a lot of ups- feeling, people feeling a lot of upset feelings about going back to work. Um, they had this, this, uh, Although it was sad, we can't not acknowledge that part of the pandemic, but they had a time off maybe from serving or maybe from whatever side job they were working that didn't feel like it was giving to them except for in cash. And now unemployment's kind of wrapping up. They're going back to work and they're feeling a lot of feelings. Yeah. Do you have any thoughts about that? I really do. I think, you know... What I'm going to say first is that I am super clear that we do three things at Abundance Bound, right? We are focused on strengthening our mindset around our money, right? That's the first thing, because of course we have feelings and we have feelings Many of us, what this pandemic also illuminated is it really illuminated what is not making us happy in the ways that we have been living our lives. And that has been a gift. That's been a gift because we just keep going and we are... I think I'm biased, right? But I feel like we are, as actors, we are some of the hardest working people and we put our everything into things. 
But the danger is that we get very tunnel visioned and we get very in a box and we stop looking at the lives we're actually leading. Mm. And this pandemic forced us to stop. You know, as I was sharing with you, I have made some drastic changes in my life that a year ago, I would never have even considered, right? Yeah. But so that is part of the gift of some of the space from these jobs we were doing. Mm -hmm. But yes, now there's some pain as we return. But what I want us to do is to recognize that that pain is a, it's like a, a, a signal. Okay, this is absolutely not what I want. And why do I keep accepting what I don't want instead of saying, how can I be an active participant in changing that, right? So we go back to the serving job, but now we go back with a clarity that I am looking for and not just looking for, actively creating something different, okay? So that's mindset. We also work on management, right? Mm -hmm. And management is this kind of stuff that we just spent a few minutes going through. What are the practical steps we need to take, right? I've given you some practical foundational places that I want you to start, super, super important, but where, what are all of these things that we need to keep doing just to manage our money, right? Mm -hmm. But then the third piece that we, we really work on is making more, right? How do we make more in ways that use more of our gifts, and use, just bring more of who we are seeking to be in the world to the, the work that we're doing to earn mm -hmm. money, right? And I think what many of us have done is we've allowed ourselves to just do things, whatever, whatever. I'm just doing whatever to make money. Mm -hmm. And the thing is, is that um, we're going to spend a large percentage of our lives earning. We have to do that to continue to fund who we are in the world, right? And so I think we need to put more energy to um, making those things that make us feel stronger as opposed to kind of sucking the life out mm. of us. I'm such a big fan of this for so many reasons, but especially because for so long I was told as an actor uh, that I was an actor. And then if I wanted to do anything else, it had to be completely separate. Like I could be a babysitter. I could be a waitress. I could be a bartender. It could be all these things that like other people told me were appropriate boxes to make money in. Uh, 
and that I couldn't do anything creative other than acting unless I wanted to like, you know, direct or produce or something like it had to live in this lane. And I think the pandemic has showed a lot of people that they can successfully live in multiple lanes at the same time. Like I switched, I start now my full side job is podcast production. I produce other people's podcasts and I get paid money to do the thing that I would do for free. Don't tell my clients that, but I, (laughs) but I love it so much. And this whole shift was because I didn't think that I was allowed to work in creative fields other than the acting one, or else I would be seen as less of a serious actor. I think that was something that was ingrained in a lot of us uh, for a long period of time and is still happening. So I also want to push people outside of those boxes. Like if you have an Etsy shop where you make cool shit and you sell it and you're really good at it. If you're a yoga teacher who teaches classes, if you're like everything you do with abundance bound, I'm sure it was a, quite a choice to be like, I'm going to put a lot of my energy and time into this thing. And I, it both excites me to hear you say that, to hear you share that. And it also, I, it makes me angry how long we allowed other people to put us in these boxes. People who are not even creatives most of the time. Absolutely. Other people. And one of the biggest things I've learned is let me make sure that the advice I'm following are from people whose lives I actually admire. People who are living lives. And I don't just mean dollars and cents or fancy houses or fancy cars. I'm not actually talking about that at all. I mean, they are living abundant joyful lives. Because all of this nonsense, well, Sam, if you're really an actor, you would not be doing this, this, and this. It is just that. It is nonsense. The people who came through this pandemic with the least disruption were people who recognized that financially powerful people have multiple streams of income. And I don't care what walk of life you are from, financially powerful people have multiple streams of income. And actors, why would we be different? Why would we not be out in the world bringing our full selves? Does my work in Abundance Bound make me less of an actor? Does the person who is freaking changing lives for students who are struggling with math as a brilliant math tutor, does that make them less of an actor? The person who can like train your dog beyond belief and can actually create happier, thriving relationships between people and their fur babies? Does that make them less of an actor? I I get so angry about this because it's not based in reality, but we have bought into it for way too long. Uh, Everything you said, I just keep raising my arms. Nobody can see me, but I'm so invested in this in so many ways. And I think we forget to look around and like, look at 
if you do the math, it is very costly to be in a city like Los Angeles, for example, and not cost effective to be an actor because the return on your investment takes a very long time. I mean, look at, and then you start to look at celebrities and you're like, oh, this is why uh, Shay Mitchell also works for Open Fit and does advertisements for them. This is why, because a movie and a TV show is great and residuals are awesome, but you have to expand your wealth, especially if you have things you're excited about. Like it's, it's the best. Like, look at the honest company, Jessica Alba's company. Like that wasn't because also she just wanted cash. It was because she was excited about something. And I think that the, the marriage of those two things is just, is just beautiful. You're, I mean, I like your passionate, uh, I like your passionate, angry side. I really do. <laughs> I know. I can't help it. I really I can't love it. it. I love it. Well, here's the last thing I think I want to talk about is, oh, hold on. One of my dogs is having a sneeze. They get these reverse sneezes because they're all so small and you have to like massage their little noses. Oh, poor babies. Ugh. Yeah, poor, they're all on like the fluffiest bed ever at my feet. Such a hard life. They also like me working from home. Um, <laughs> I'm sure you feel the same way. Uh, so the last thing I want to talk about is I think that COVID has also changed the landscape of the spotlight that is on 1099 and gig workers and the amount of income that we provide for the country as a whole, for individual states. Uh, and I feel like that was a big highlight that came up for unemployment was how 1099 and gig type work was not considered into your unemployment. I know there was like some alterations and exceptions made. Do you think that having lived through what we've lived through, that the pandemic has changed the landscape of how creative jobs will be viewed in the larger sense of our capitalistic society. That was such a good, that's a, such a I textbook question. Wow. <laughs> yeah. I don't know yet. I don't think we know yet. I think it doesn't just have to do with the pandemic. It also obviously has to do with the change in administration and um, where, you know, politics always plays a part in where these laws go. I, I always say, and this comes back to the pain and power cycle, and it's not necessarily an answer that's going to satisfy people, but I, I still think it's sort of, I have to be honest. Remember, we want to deal with what we know, right? Not what we feel. So I feel a lot of upset about the way that 1099 earners are treated in our country, right? Mm -hmm. I feel that we need to have more structures in place to provide the same safety nets that are provided for regular employees. But right now, that doesn't really exist, not with any certainty, which means that our responsibility is what we have to be clear on, right? Mm -hmm. And the reality is that when we are earning 1099 income, or we have our own corporations, but we're not running formal payroll, 
we have the responsibility to be creating our own safety nets. We really do. And yes, that makes the numbers harder because it really means that we have to be putting away a not insignificant portion of what's coming in. Hmm. I was going to, yeah. oh, sorry. I, I was going to say, I was going to, my last question, actually, I just thought of was going to be, how do we also prepare for other acts of God of the future? And I feel like you're kind of combining this into this answer. So what is there a, a percentage that that looks like? Like correctly paying yourself first is something I've struggled with for a long time. So we are never going to be able to prepare for everything. Mm -hmm. And this pandemic taught us that, right? I mean, was there anyone who was like, yep, I'm all ready for a global pandemic. Well, I had few, that on my a list. A few senators who made a lot of money out of it. But other than that. Yeah. Right, exactly. <laughs> but- what we can't do, Sam, right, is there is a massive road between I'm really not preparing for anything at all and I'm prepared for everything, right? There's this massive road between them and we have a tendency to get so overwhelmed by the I'm prepared for everything never going to happen feeling that it swings us all the way to the other side of the pendulum, which is that we really just throw up our hands and say, there's nothing that I can do. And so this is what I mean about honoring the fact that you have a relationship with money. There isn't a clear percentage for people like us, because if I said to you 10%, well, Sam, when you book that series regular and you're earning $250,000 a year, guess what? I need you saving more like 60%, right? Ugh. And so the 10% <laughs> thing works if Sam earns her set always six, seven, ten thousand dollars a month. Mm -hmm. That's so the percentages work for people like that. What we have to do is first get clear on our life costs, what our life actually costs us. We have to start saving and putting away for some of the things that we're we already pretend are emergencies, but that aren't, right? Many mm -hmm. of us are not saving every month for the car breaking down. We're not saving every month for the marketing materials that we know we have to refresh every 18 to 24 months. We're not saving for the short film or the solo show that we are investing in creating. So I need us to start there right? With the stair step approach of what's your monthly number? Let's say my monthly number is $5,000 a month. Well, yes, I am working towards having one month in planned savings. That's what I call it instead of emergency savings. I'm working to ultimately have three months in planned savings, to have six months in planned savings, right? Yes, a year in planned savings. All of that 
increases my stability and increases my ability to ride the ups and downs, to ride the things that life, the acts of God, the non-acts of God that come my way. But, But what happens is we hear that and we instantaneously, but I can't, I can't, it's too much, I'll never have. And I can tell you again, that what we saw during this pandemic is we saw the people who had been in an abundance bound conversation for two years, for three years, for five years. And we saw the difference in how they moved through this crisis than for people who weren't in this conversation at all. And I'm not saying that to pat us on the back. I'm saying that because what it proved to us is the longer you are in a financial conversation, the longer you are committed to your financial relationship, the steadier you will be through the waves of life. But there is no magic bullet. There is no, if I just do this for the next six months or the next year, I'll be okay. This is a lifetime journey. Yeah. Oh, it's the answer we need to hear, but we might not want to hear. (laughs) Oh, this was so great. I could talk to you forever. You're such a a ray of light. Do you want to direct people? Cause I think they're going to be super interested in where they can find all of the things that you offer. Absolutely. So abundancebound.com, right? And I would really, really focus people on our financial empowerment program. So if you go to the website and you look at individuals, how we serve individuals, and look at the financial empowerment program, that's the place where you can get all of the support that you need to do this work um, in a in a powerful and supported way because that's what I think we need. Mm, it's just gonna serve everyone I think in so many ways. I love I love everything you're doing. I'm so excited. Thank you so much for sitting down with me again. Um, you're you're the best. Thank you, Sam. Thank you for everything you do. I it's um it's great. I'm I'm lucky to know you. And that brings us to the end of today's episode. Thank you guys so much for supporting this podcast. And thank you for supporting our sponsor, The New Triple Threat. You guys know you can always talk with me all the time at One Broke Actress on Instagram and check out anything that's going on at onebrokeactress.com. And I will talk to you guys next week.